You're listening to Canada's most listened to spiritual talk show. And now, here's your host, Drew Marshall. Tim, I'm not actually familiar with this song. Oh, this is the Mexican National Anthem. Why, why are you playing this? Well, isn't, isn't Paul... Yeah, but that's like so racist or okay, whatever. Wait, hold on, hold on. Dude, that's like the most judgmental introduction you could have ever given no, 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 Paul better Rodriguez. Better. Oh yeah, that's much better. Okay, Are you kidding sorry, me? No, no. You're, you're so predictable. <laughs> you're an idiot. Stop it! <laughs> Paul Rodriguez, comedian, actor, longtime comedian, has been making audiences laugh all over the world, unlike Tim. In Spanish and English, for decades, as an actor and comedian, Paul Rodriguez's multifaceted career includes starring roles and featured appearances in over 45. Can you? <laughs> I just heard that. <laughs> in over 45 film, 45 films, and countless television series and comedy specials, voted one of the most influential Hispanics in America. Uh, Rodriguez's uh, film credits include Without Men with Eva Longoria, oh, Stop It, family. and Christian Slater, Cats and Dogs, uh, The Revenge of the Kitty Galore, The Deported, Disney's blockbuster hit Beverly Hills Chihuahua, The World's Fastest Indian, Cinderella Story, Alley, Tortilla Soup, Crocodile Dundee in L.A., Rat Race, Bloodwork, Chasing Poppy, and DC Cab. It goes on and on, this bio. Want to let you know that Paul Rodriguez also stars in the movie Voiceless, now out on DVD, which is about a young reserved war veteran who risks his marriage and new ministry job by opposing a neighborhood abortion clinic. Voiceless stars Rusty Joyner. You might remember him from such shows as Dodgeball, uh, The Closer, Bones, TV shows. Jocelyn Cruz from This Is Our Time. James Russo from Beverly Hills Cop, Donnie Brasco, and Django. And Paul Rodriguez on the Drew Marshall Show. What's going on, Paul? Nothing much. Thank you for that tribute. That last one uh, with Vicente Fernandez was uh, pretty, pretty nice. I'll take that. You like that? See? Really? I did yeah, my like research. Oh, yeah, I did my research. Jeez. You turn your <laughs> mic off. Um, Paul, where the heck are you and what are you doing today? I want to know everything about your every all movement. Right, well, right now I'm in Washington, D.C., the center of all that's wrong in America. And uh, I'm performing at a theater. Here and uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm on the road. Nice. Well, you're always on the road. I mean, always. You got to be the hardest working yeah. man in comedian business. Well, taxes are high, not as high as uh, Canada, but they're they're pretty high. We're getting there. We're catching up to you. <laughs> um, wait, you're in Washington. That's. Are you hanging out with Republicans like Gary Sinise? No, but uh, Gary Sinise is a good friend of mine, and we we share similar views. And uh, you know, it's, uh, it's 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 hard to be a Republican uh, Mexican American, but. Uh, <laughs> I've never taken the easy road. I, I, I used to be Democrat like everybody else, and then one day I, I picked the lesser of two evils. Okay, all right, I understand. Well, I mean, there's nothing more evil than a pantsuit. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, spandex. Yes, well, that is a little more evil, yeah. You know, I got a, I got a text from uh, uh, Andy Kindler yeah, last night, and mm -hmm. he said uh, he, he actually likes you. Now, this is from one of the most caustic, dry comedians in the world. Andy Kindler actually said he likes you. How does that make you feel? Well, it makes me feel like I might be doing something wrong, you know, uh, if, if she likes me. But uh, I, I, I hear Zach, and I, I, I kind of uh, appreciate his point of view. Yes. You know, it's, a, it's weird. Uh, uh, some uh, different points of view make uh, strange bedfellows, I guess. I guess so. I guess so. 
I want to go to uh, to uh, you know you came from Mexico and you were like two or three years old. Your entire family, right. you know, got in while getting was good. Um, yeah. One of my best friends. But, uh, but I have I have roots in America. My grandfather was from New Braunfels, Texas. He was a, a German immigrant from uh, way back in the eighteen hundreds. So right. it, 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 he was uh, persecuted because of his uh, beliefs. So he went to uh, Mexico and lived in Chihuahua, where my father's from. So I, I have a. Uh, I'm was a German uh, Mexican American, I guess. Yeah, who whose car broke down that that then ended up making you guys all stay in Fresno because they said, "All right, if the car's broke, we're staying." My father was on his way to. Uh, we were migrant farm workers. My father was on his way to Washington State to uh, harvest apples, and uh, we we used to follow the harvest for many years. We we're on the road like gypsies here in America. Yeah, and uh, his car broke down in Fresno, and it took him thirty years to fix. So you know. He, we, we we made roots there and and have become uh, quite happy with that area. We uh, I've been involved with the water fighting uh, the government for water rights uh, for the uh, farm farmers there, mm-hmm. which made other enemies. Uh, but uh, you know it's, it's, it seems like there's no there's no easy road. I mean if you if you're going to stand up for what you believe in, there's going to be enemies. And 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 uh, I think a man should always be uh, uh, you know measured by not only his friends but but make good enemies. You know yeah. those that are worth fighting. Well, um, where where is the 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 property in in that neck of the woods in the San Joaquin Valley? In the San in the San Joaquin Valley, we were fighting for water rights. They uh, they uh, turned the water off. This is about eight years ago when this started. So uh, we formed an organization, the the Water Coalition, which I chaired, and we fought. And ultimately, the voters in California saw it right to uh, to, to vote, uh, look for it our way. You know, they yeah. they passed uh, the bond, and we won that fight. Now we're fighting to see. Where those seven and a half billion dollars are going to be spent? We were fighting the environmentalists who, uh, you know, I, I used to think of myself as an environmentalist until I realized that they're whack. You know, the, the kinds of things that they're, uh, they're they're defending. These people aren't even farmers. They they don't know how to grow uh, food. So they their uh, their idea is to turn the water off. They think that farmers are wasting water, which is ridiculous. You know, how is growing food wasting water? Yeah. And they come up with uh, statistics that are asinine, you know, like uh, it takes uh, eight pounds of water to, to grow one almond, which is ridiculous. You know, wa- water is a reusable resource, you know, it returns to the ground, the aquifer. But we've been in the middle of a big drought in Southern California. Yeah. This has nothing to do with comedy, but uh, no. you know, that's the fight. Yeah. Well, when I was down there, I was, I was living in that area for about four years. I was working at uh, mm-hmm. Hume, Hume Lake up in the uh, up in the mountains uh, in, near Kings right. Canyon. I was at Visalia. You know, I chatted the other day yeah. about driving to the old drive-in uh, Merle's on uh, Moody Boulevard. Visalia? Orange Cove is where, where I bought my parents a farm, and Orange Cove is where I have property. I know and, Orange uh, Cove, so I used to ride my horse through Orange Cove. It's still a very beautiful country, uh, although, you know, the drought uh, dry. made it a lot of, uh, very dry. But uh, we, we've had a wet year, so we, we expect to have a good crop this year. Good, good. Yeah. Elderwood, that's actually exactly where the ranch was, uh, Elderwood. Elma, yeah, Elderwood, yeah, I know, I know it well. Foot the hills of the sequoias. It is still one of my favorite, favorite places in the world, dry or not. I still love it there, still love it. The rivers and everything. All right, let, I want to talk about the boy just for a second. What is he, skateboard? No, surfboard, wakeboard, weekly border. What is he? Some kind of border. You know, my son is a skateboarder and That's a very it. good one. He's won the X Games more than anybody else. He's made a lot of money. He was the first one to have his own Nike signature shoe, and he's on its 11th shoe now, and, and he's been very successful. Not a career that I would want for him. No, no, you wanted you him know? to be uh, El Tigre Rodriguez. 
Yeah, he was a way better golfer. I think the golfing world lost a, a, a great... My son at uh, seven years old, I used to take him to the driving range. He was hitting this thing 100 yards straight, uh, so much so that the local pro there at the uh, uh, um, golf course where I used to go to uh, wanted to give him a free lessons. So uh, I got him, you know, he's a lefty. I got him clubs and everything. And, and then one day at around 12 or 13, he comes to me and he says that uh, some girl told him that golfing was gay. And after that, I couldn't get him to pick up a, a pair of golf clubs for nothing, you know. So, uh, so the next thing you know, he tells me he's going to be a skateboarder. This is what he's going to do for a living. I don't know what that is. I have no idea what that is. I get a call from Tony Hawk, which I didn't know, uh, who wanted to take him on the road. And, I, you know, I kind of got worried. I said, what is a 28? I think he was 28, 29 at the time. What does he want to do, uh, taking a 13-year-old boy with him? I, I said, no, I was uh, totally against that. I, I, I thought this was some kind of a child molester. Yeah, you thought he was a I, priest I or maybe or something, eh? I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said, I, I don't know if your name is Tony Hawk or Chicken Hawk. I said, but uh, you're not going to take my son. So, uh, you know, later, of course, I've apologized. And I've met him since. And he found something in life that he does well, and he's successful at it. And I think that's, that's what every parent really wants. That's good. Well, at least he didn't become a kicker. Seriously. <laughs> but what's wrong with kickers? I'm well, good friends with the Sandejas. They, uh, they were at one time, five of them were in the NFL. Yeah, I I used to be a punter, and uh, my last tryouts were in Reno with a whole bunch of kickers, and one guy was named Louis Aguiar, who used to kick for the Kansas uh -oh. City Chiefs. But I thought yeah, you yeah, did yeah. a little bit of kicking in, in high school. I did. I used to be on a, a successful uh, a soccer team, but, uh, you know, athletics were not was not my thing. No. I mean, I was good, but those guys were great. You know, you, it's, it's like when you, when you realize that the dream you have, uh, that somebody else does it way better, you come to... You come to the realization that this is not going to be, you know, you're going to be okay, but you're not going to be, uh, it's not going to make a living for you. It's a sad thing, but then you, you, you have time and, and, and age is on your side. You switch and you find something else to do. You, we, you can be good. We are uh, chatting with the one and only Paul Rodriguez. Not P-Rod, Paul Rodriguez. Um, Paul, I got to understand this. You help me understand the math in this. Your okay. your dad gets run over by a tractor while picking tomatoes, so he moves the fam to Compton. You want to explain that, Matt? Yeah. Well, he had a we had an aunt that used to live in East Los Angeles. We stayed with her for a while, and then he's looking in the paper and he finds a uh, he finds a uh, uh, a house uh, with uh, three bedrooms. Uh, for, I think it was sixty dollars at the time, which is a blessing. He thought the Virgin had answered all his prayers. <laughs> it turned out to be in Compton. And we uh, we go there, and uh, you know we're we're the first Latino family. I was the I was the white guy in my school. Uh, I went to a, a Ralph Bunch Element Ralph Bunch uh, Junior High, and uh, it, it was uh, it was very very difficult. The riots uh, started. I was there through the riots, yeah. and uh, you know understanding that struggle, it was very very hard. Uh, and now, of course, Compton is famous. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Straight out of to the and day. A lot of athletes. I, I went to school with Kenny Landro, who made it all the way to the to the Dodgers, and and three other uh, athletes uh, that made it to the pros. There's a lot of good athletes there. Think think yeah. back to the day where there's a National Guard tank parked in front of your house, and your dad your dad gets you to make a sign. What does it say? <laughs> to, to write a sign that says saying we are not white. We we <laughs> know white. Right. <laughs> we know white. We know white. And, uh, that was back in the day was a burn baby burn was a slogan and I remember the Kenny shoe store going up in flames. Yeah. We didn't you know, we didn't understand what the struggle was. We didn't we didn't understand what the anger was. You know, of course since I've been educated, but uh we, we basically stayed out of the fray, uh, made a lot of friends and uh 
it was hard. Uh, there weren't that many gangs back in the day. No, so did you? But you never wore any uh, colors, did you? No, no, no. The, the colors was a black thing. We we, we didn't uh, Latinos. They segregate themselves by by different uh, different ways. You know, there's Southerners and and Northerners. You know, there's different uh, divisions. But no, no, yeah. we we didn't wear no colors. Okay, so you were you were drafted in '72, um, and you were stationed in some interesting places. I want to know which was worser, Duluth or Iceland? <laughs> Duluth by far. <laughs> Duluth was cold. <laughs> Unbelievably cold. You wouldn't think so. Iceland was actually nice. It was a. Uh, it was more green there, and and uh, I actually enjoyed my my stay. Although I was in a remote air air, air uh, uh, radar site in Hornafjordur, which is at the very tip. Is that there's like a peninsula that Iceland has, and you get to see the aurora borealis. And we used to get, uh, you know, three months. Uh, uh, we would be there isolated. It's only about a hundred guys in a in a radar site, and then we get like two weeks R and R. We'd go to Europe and hang around Torrejon Air Base, which is closed now, but we'd go to Germany, and, and, and it was pretty good. It was a great experience. I, I recommend, you know, if it wasn't for the services, uh, I don't know where my life would be, but because uh, the service, you know, gave me a chance to see lots of the world and, and gave me an idea to get an education, and I did. I used it. I went to the, uh, I used the GI Bill. I went to college with it. So in hindsight, I didn't like the draft because at the time, you know, the war was still going on, and about six months later, uh, Nixon, I think it was in 73, uh, he uh, he ended the, the draft and uh, he got us out of Vietnam. Well, uh, on the phone with Paul Rodriguez, who almost became a lawyer, almost became a high school history teacher. Uh, yeah, um, yeah those, were, those were the plans. And the whole thing kind of fell apart once you got paid three hundred grand to work with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> it sure did. You know that that changed my mind. I still regret it many times. I regret it because uh, I think uh, I wasted my life in a way. Uh, but uh, it, you know, it, it's been good, but it, it, it didn't give me something to to strive for. I I, uh, I was you know I was always interested in politics, you know, and I probably could have uh, uh, been more helpful, more useful uh, as an attorney, or uh, you know, than, than as a clown. But uh, you know, it's too late to change uh, uh, the, the the course of my life now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk about your your dad because there's so much behind your dad's story. It's so much. Like, let's start with well, heck, where do we start? The fact that he had two families. You found out after he died that he had two separate families that really didn't live that far yeah. from each other. Come on. Yeah, that, that was sad. It, it was sad. I, I my father had children outside of, of marriage, you know, and uh, you know when you find this out about your father, it, it really changes your your uh, opinion of him. But. He was a good man. We were the family that he stuck with, you know, and uh, I can only judge him by the way he treated me and, and my brothers and sisters. But, yeah, that, that was disconcerting. He, uh, he had uh, children, uh, you know, others. I stay in touch with them, um, but we're not as close as, uh, as probably they, they would like us to be. But, uh, yeah, my father had about uh, three, three kids that I know of uh, from, uh, from a woman that actually didn't live too far from us. I don't know why he would do that. Uh, you know, he had a car. He could have, uh, but you know, then again, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, did it in his own house. So, you know, my father, he, <laughs> yeah. he did it out of his house. Yeah. But so, you, uh, Paul, you said something to me when we were chatting this week that I didn't know. Uh, uh, um, your dad got into ministry. Is that is that right? Yes, my father was actually a minister, you know, which really changed me, uh, uh, to really turn me around about religion. You know, it made me more, more uh, I, I would say, agnostic, I guess, uh, uh 
but you know, I, I, so hold I on. So out. what I what I just heard you say was because my dad was a minister and he, and I found out he was doing the double life thing or he lived, whatever. That's sort. I sort of looked upwards and went, really, really. This is then. This is just. I'm not sure what I really believe. Is that what I heard you say? That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. It, it really shook my my beliefs, and I returned to a, a more basic uh, Latino belief. Uh, I'm more I'm more Catholic now. You know, I I, I converted and I, I try to live a uh, well, a Catholic life, and then and then all of a sudden the scandals with all the uh, priests and all that that switched me around. So right now I'm I'm in limbo. Right now my my faith has been shaken to the point where maybe uh, God has the same uh, same credibility with me that Santa Claus does. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, uh, I I guess uh, religion is uh, is something that it's personal. I mean, I don't uh, criticize other people for their religion, but there's yep. a lot of hypocrisy in it. You know, a lot of hypocrisy. Um... You know, I've heard people say um, the church is filled with hypocrites, um, so why not join? Because we all are, kind of thing, you know? Maybe so. Maybe the church is uh, just a, a social thing, you know, where you get to uh, meet the people who are either decent or, or are faking it. I don't know. But it, it doesn't play as big a, a role in my life as it did. I was, I was raised uh, very strictly Protestant. Uh, but uh, and that, I, that's uh, that's that's kind of different for uh, someone with a Latino background, is it not? Very, very different. I was always the the, the odd duck, you know. Uh, I used to live a double life. I used to have a crucifix where I used to wear to school so that I wouldn't be picked on, and then at home I would take it off and I'd keep it outside hidden, and I'd, every morning I'd put it on. So I was a uh, I was a Catholic part of the majority in in, in school, and then I was a. Uh, you know, I, I was a Protestant at home. So interesting. Uh, so interesting. So on the phone with Paul Rodriguez, of course, he's uh, starring in this movie called Voiceless, which is out now on DVD, and it's about a young reserved war veteran who risks his marriage and new ministry job by opposing neighborhood abortion clinic. Uh, Voiceless stars yeah. Rusty Joyner uh, from Dodgeball, The Closer, Bones, uh, Jocelyn Cruz, This Is Our Time, James Russo, Beverly Hills Cop, Donnie Brasco, Django, and of course this man, Paul Rodriguez. It, it, that film in itself has a religious opinion, you know, slant, you know, but uh, I, I did it as an actor, but I, I happen to agree with the, uh, with, with the message of the film, you know. It's not saying that I wouldn't have done it had it not had it not agreed because I, I see myself as an actor and if the part is good I I'll do it. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it. Uh, I did another film that was religious that I've gotten a lot of uh, attention from. It was Time Changer, and it's amazing. Out of all the films that I've done, this is one of the few films that people actually stop me and go, "Have you found the Lord? Uh, are you uh, are you a Christian now?" And all of that. And I I say no. I'm I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm still a sinner. I said, but you know. Try to be a decent person, uh, but uh, like everybody else, I guess I, I have my sins. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't actually have any. Uh, but you can go ahead and <laughs> confess now if you like. You're the one. Yeah, the one. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Uh huh. Yeah. No, look, I. You know. You kind of blew me away when you when you told me about your dad, and and, uh, and then I found yeah. out more about your dad. And I, I mean, it's pretty easy math, right? If your dad's a preacher, and then you find out later that your dad was doing the double life thing or whatever, it's pretty easy math to go. Well, what the heck then? I mean, if my dad was acting this way and preaching a different way, um, then I'm not even sure what to believe anymore. But that's that's a lot of years ago now. You must have had some of your own. I don't know, spiritual journey, spiritual thinking, spiritual ponderings. You must have come across other people that were, 
you know, pretty well, you know pretty that, interesting spiritually have made a bit of an impact on you. You know, uh, oddly enough, the older I get, uh, the more I believe that, uh, in God, mainly out of peer pressure, I guess, you know, huh. because uh, because it's, it, it's, I don't know, maybe I do need uh, uh, to put my fingers through the, uh, through, through, through the holes of the tr- cross, uh, like the doubting Thomas that I've become. Yeah. I used to believe firmly, but then I used to see a lot of, uh, you know, if, if if I'm ever before God, I'm a, I've got a lot of questions. You know, there's there's a lot of things uh, that, uh, that 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 he could have been he could have done something about. And he yeah. might have been asleep at the wheel. Uh, you know, and, and these uh, and uh, religious leaders always answer with, you know, only God knows why. Well, you know, there's some things that we should know why. You know, <laughs> why why is there why is there such a hunger in this world? Why why is there so many uh, cool things happen? You know, why can't he if he's all omnipotent and I'm omniscient? Well, why can't he just, uh, you know, magically make these things go away? Why does life have to be such a struggle? Why is there such poverty and injustice and equality and all those things, you know? Yeah, yeah why? How powerful is this, that? Why do TV preachers and healers all have bad hair? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Heal thyself. Yeah, you know, a lot of that is a, is money scam. You know, if you notice, a lot of these preachers, they they uh, they live, uh, they're not uh, sworn to poverty at all, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's... There's a lot of, uh, you know, reasons. I think that perhaps uh, the church should pay taxes, you know. They, they use this, uh, they make the rest of us uh, have to pay taxes for, for their hypocrisy, really, you know. I mean, yep. the Catholic Church should definitely pay taxes. They're, they're one of the wealthiest, period. Oh, yeah. You know what? You and I, have, there's a ridiculous amount in common here. I, I came out about 10 years ago as a doubter. And before that, I was a certaintist. I was certain about all things having to do with God, because I knew God. You know, even though God mm-hmm. is unknowable, I knew him. <laughs> and then about 10 years ago, I went, you are an idiot, Drew. Uh, there's And so I sort of have, you know, I guess gone into that realm of, before I reinvest another 30 years in Jesus, I, I just want right. to hunker down into whether God is real or not. And so I kind of stripped exactly. stripped away all the churchianity and all the religious stuff, and I and now I'm just a, an idiot. I'm even more of an idiot I'm than more I am. Less, you know, I more or less believe, more or less like Native Americans, it's more, more a naturalist. I, yeah. I believe that there is a little bit of God in everything that lives and all together, put, put together. Maybe that, that is as close as we can come to God, you know. I even try to read up on what Stephen Hawking's, uh, his belief in, in God, and, and uh, Einstein is always quoted as saying that, it's a, that there is a God, that, that if there wasn't one, we'd have to invent one. Uh, maybe it's in the nature of human beings uh, to have to believe in something bigger than ourselves, and when we have such egos that the only thing bigger than ourselves would be like a, some, some kind of a, a, a spiritual person that we can never uh, really talk face-to-face with. But um, uh, in the meantime, I think that uh, most religions are mostly concerned about their tax deductions and their monies uh, than, than actually feeding the poor, you know I mean? Yeah. You realize uh, how much poverty and how much hunger there is in this world, and and how wealthy some of these religious groups are, and the pittance they give uh, to other countries. I don't think I don't think that's really where they're, you know, where they're. If, if God has the whole world in His hands, uh, that's enough cash, I think. Uh, why not uh, take some of this money and and uh, what does He need my money? Is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I, center on money. I've gotten I've gotten in trouble a number of times doing this show um, for various reasons. I'm but... sure I will too. You know, I'm sure I will too. But by those fanatics who. Look, let me be clear. I'm not here 
uh, to rain on anybody's parade. If you're happy, if you have a personal relationship with God, if that works for you, I'm happy for you. What I'm saying is, I'm not convinced. I, I, I've not had the, the proper, uh, uh, he hasn't revealed himself to me. He hasn't come into my heart. And I've asked him plenty of times. And uh, I'm still, uh, uh, have a lot of doubts. And, and, uh, and, and these doubts have, have come to become that I'm, I'm damn near positive that it's a, it's a figment of our imagination. I don't, I'm, I don't know if there's an afterlife. I'm not sure, sure I'm having a life now. This is where I'm at. Yeah. Man, this is interesting. So interesting. On the line with Paul Rodriguez. Paul, um, you know, I remember, and our listeners have heard me say this probably too many times, if you're a regular listener of the Drew Marshall Show, first of all, get a life. And then second of all, you would have heard me say this. When I was in Israel filming a TV show years ago, I was there for about a month, we went to um, the Holocaust Memorial, and when I walked out of the children's exhibit, I lost it. I like snot tears, and I was angry 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 and you know i looked upwards at this where god is supposed to be and i said dude seriously and these were your people you let this what you let this go down you were it was on your watch what were you having a nap anyway we agree on this you know i think that there has so much injustice and and the vast majority of all wars down through history have been caused by the simple belief that i'm convinced my god is right and your God is right. Both sides are praying to the same God, or are there different gods, or what's going on? I think the, the belief in, in, in religion, the, uh, the dogmatic, or the belief in, in something, you're so certain. I'm not, I'm not afraid of people who talk to God. I'm afraid of the people who, who God talks to. <laughs> talk those those are the ones afraid me. Yeah, Tim, uh, my engineer here, what's, your, what's the line on your, your T-shirt? Oh, God is not the problem, it's his fan club. There you go. <laughs> I love that. There you go. Feel feel free to use that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Tim, while we're <laughs> chatting away here, can you bring up the trailer for cuz I want to finish this interview with Paul with the trailer for uh, for the movie Voiceless. I wanted to I know it's a visual thing, but you know, we want to play the audio cuz I want to give some some credit to this flick. It's called Voiceless. It's uh, now out on DVD and uh movie. Yeah, it is. It is a good it? flick. It is a good flick. It's about a young reserved war veteran who risks his marriage and new ministry job by posing a neighborhood abortion clinic. Starring Rusty Joyner from Dodgeball, Jocelyn Cruz, this is our time, James Russo, Beverly Hills Cop, Donnie Brasco, Django, and Paul Rodriguez. You know, I was friends with some Rodriguez's in uh, in Woodlake, and uh, mm-hmm. and I just sent her a text the other day because her dad was like the scariest, coolest Mexican I have ever met in my life. I swear, <laughs> I don't know if there is a Mexican mafia, but he's got to be part of it, man, because this guy had, well, I mean, is Sadly that... enough, there is. Sadly enough, there is. You yeah. know, and I have nothing to do with them. I don't think they're, it's a positive thing for Mexican Americans, but uh, yeah, you know, that's their life. Yeah, no, no. I'm, them, but... All I'm saying is, he, he was just cool and laid back, and he was a, he was my first. Like, look, prior to this, to moving to California, living in the, in the San Joaquin area, my only sort of Mexican uh, exposure was Cheech and Chong. You know, <laughs> that's buddy. it. Yeah. That's it. As a matter of fact, Cheech and Chong right now, we're, we're working on a TV series, uh, Three Generations, with my, my son, and, and Cheech plays my father, and I, you know, it's three, three men living in one roof, and that's what we're working on, and we got a little interest from NBC, so hopefully next season I'll be, I'll be on there. Nice. Cool. You know, I know in all the interviews, uh, Paul, you, this gets brought up, and, and I, I don't even know where to go in this, uh, but I guess what I really want to say is I hope that as a result of Michael Richards' use of the N-word uh, at, mm-hmm. at your club, I hope you, that at least that made you some coin. 
That's <laughs> probably the best thing that ever happened to us, you know. Um, really? We were, we were relatively uh, unknown, and now we've got a lot of uh, TV queue, a lot of uh, notoriety because of that. It's sad because I, I know Michael Richards, and I, I've already extended a, an invitation that he, he should be able to come back. I mean, nobody should be judged for one mistake no, yeah. that he made. As egregious as it was, he, he's still a very talented guy, and he should be allowed on stage again. But here's the thing. I, I have this theory about, about famous people when they, when they do comedy. Um, it's different when you're a comedian and then you become famous. Or, or but I think what I'm trying to say is when people know you as a certain character on TV and then you go up on stage as yourself and try to do comedy, you got about a minute, maybe less, before yeah, the crowd right. figures out that you're either you're funny or you're not, you're, like the whole fame thing gets you a little bit of a free pass just for a little bit, and then they'll they'll turn yeah. on you, man. They will. But if you listen to that tape, I was there that night. If you listen to the to the tape uh, that he was uh, where he says those egregious things, the guy didn't start it. You hear the uh, African Americans uh, call him cracker and call him uh, other names first. Uh, that's not going to be popular for me to say, but the truth is the truth. Sure, you can look. You can look at find that tape on YouTube, I'm sure, and you can uh, listen to it carefully. And you see that they started calling him racial epithets. But unfortunately, uh, if you're white in America, you have to um, bear the brunt, and um, you know you, you can't be the one to throw the uh, the first stone no. because I I don't know why, but that's the way it is. But I, I don't think he's innocent. But I think he's paid his dues, and, and he should be allowed to return to the stage. Michael Richards was doing stand-up long before he was an actor. A lot of people might remember him from a show called Fridays many, many years ago on ABC. And I, I remember him when he was uh, going up on stage. He was more of a performer, um, yeah. more of a, that would do these bits, uh, crazy bits, but uh, he, they didn't give him a chance to, to really uh, get his bits out. And nobody wants to be uh, on stage and have somebody go, you suck. After all, you know, the uh, comedy clubs are a place where comedians go out there to work out their stuff, especially that, that particular evening. You know, he was there working out, and I think he's, he's paid a very heavy price. A guy with the body of work that he has, when he passes away, may not just be soon, when he passes away, um, the, the only thing people remember is those uh, racist things that he said. But in the privacy of our own uh, cars, uh, when somebody cuts you off, we've all used this. Yeah. We've all used these words, you know? Yeah. And now you feel, I feel kind of uh, silly that adults have to, in a, in a country where we're supposed to be able to speak our minds, freedom of speech, we all have to spell things out, the N-word, the A-word, the yeah. B-word, yeah, yeah, the B-word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's hypocrisy yourself. Well, my engineer sitting across from me, um, I use the L-word a lot for, for him. Loser? Yes. <laughs> yes. That would be more offensive. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I I want to hear. I, I want to know if you do because someone said this to me, and I but I've never heard you do. Do you do impressions? Like, a, can you do uh, like a Rodney Dangerfield? Well, very badly, but you know, I think everybody could. Rodney's like uh, is it like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Everybody thinks they could do it. You know, uh, <laughs> everybody thinks they could do a good. A good uh, I don't know. You know, but uh, yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks they can do you're Rodney. All right. <coughs> Speak. Uh, you're all right. Hey, you're good. <laughs> Holy! Did you that's hear that? Good. No, that's great. It's but he dropped Rodney. Well, Rodney was a great friend. I, I at his uh, funeral, there were five of us that that, that did a eulogy, and I was proud to be one of them. It was probably the most uh, star-studded, comedic star-studded uh, oh, yeah. uh, event that I uh, you know that I've ever seen. Everybody, absolutely anybody, was anybody. I sit next to Larry David. Leno was there. Everybody made uh, a way to go there. Rodney had touched all of us. Uh, I don't think there was a more beloved uh, 
comedian. He was right up there with wrinkles, if not above wrinkles. Yeah. He, he hung out with young young guys, and I knew him well. He and I designed the the Laugh Factory in uh, Long Beach. We uh, we sat down and designed it, and he was just a great guy. I, I can't say enough about him. Uh, you worked with a guy that I, when I was growing up, man, I wanted to be like him so bad. I mean, look, there was a part of me that wants, when I get old, I want to be like Don Rickles, right? You can just get away with so much more when, you know, yeah. when you're grumpy and old. Um, yeah. he was, he was just, uh, there was a guy that was also, uh, trying to stay, uh, hip and young, but hanging out with, with, with young comics. I didn't know Don as well. Uh, as as Rodney, I didn't hang out or go to his home. I knew Buddy Hackett and, and Rodney far better, and I missed them deeply. But yeah, yeah, I I, I had dinner with him and, yeah. and and you know hung out for for a few days. But yeah. here here's the other guy I wanted to be like because I rode horses and I wanted to be, you know, just I was a goofy village idiot kind of guy. I know you find that hard to believe, Tim, but I Not was like all. the village no. idiot, <laughs> Clint Eastwood, and you were you got to work with Clint Eastwood. Come on. That was an amazing thing. Uh, um, uh, one day, uh, his wife, ex-wife now, uh, she had seen a movie that I was in called Tortilla Soup. It's, it's a, a quote-unquote chip flick. It was a remake, remake of Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, and she really liked my performance in that. And she um, told uh, Clint about it, and I got a call from my agent. I walked into this uh, this uh, room, and, and out watched uh, Benicio Del Toro, out watched, uh, you know, there were some other big-time Latino names there. Uh, and I said, man, I don't have a shot at this. I sat down. I talked to him for a few minutes. Uh, I read uh, some material there. And um, I went home, not thinking I was going to get, you know, just to meet Clint was, was enough for me. You know, he was a big uh, um, hero of mine. You know, I like, I think all guys like his movies, you know, big guns, lots of shootouts. And uh, when I found out that I got it, it was amazing. It was, it was uh, thrilling. He doesn't go through agents. He doesn't suffer no fools. He told me that... Uh, that uh, shooting movies is a lot like baseball. If you can't get it in three tries, you shouldn't be playing the game. And, um, <laughs> I really love that, you know. It was easy. It was nine to five work, you know. You didn't go extra. You didn't go over. He shot uh, the opening scene of it. It's a long scene with these uh, helicopters. And we walked into a murder scene. Uh, the movie's called Bloodwork. Uh, he, he shot in one take. After that, he turned to me. He goes, how did you feel about that? Well, what am I going to say? I said, is it again? No. I said, it felt good to me, Clint. And he goes, all right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. It was the best experience of my life. So good. So good, man. So good. Yeah. Well, here's a website for you, folks. It's paulrodriguez.com, paulrodriguez.com. And, of course, you want to check out Voiceless, the movie. Uh, Paul stars in this movie. It's called Voiceless. It's now out on DVD. It's about a young reserved war veteran who risks his marriage and his new ministry job by opposing a neighborhood abortion clinic, Voiceless. Uh, starring this man, Paul Rodriguez, or Rod Paul Riguez, um, or Chai Chai Rodriguez. Yeah. His pet chihuahua. No, I just want to thank you. You know, this has been uh, really exciting. I've been to the Montreal Comedy Festival a couple of times. I hope they invite me again. I, uh, I think this, uh, uh, this business is uh, so obsessed with youth. But there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, things that old guys can bring into the, 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 the scheme of things. You know, I, I hope to be invited to go to the Montreal Comedy Fest. Uh, it's one of the best in the world, really. And uh, if anybody from the fest is listening to me, I'll pay my own way and I'll rock the world. You know? I'd like to go there. <laughs> nice. Nice. Dude, I really appreciate your time, your honesty, your authenticity. Uh, really good conversation, Paul. Thank you so much. Wish you the best, Drew. Thank you very much. Call me anytime. All right, dude. Thanks. Bye-bye. Paul Rodriguez on the Drew Marshall Show. Yeah, that was fun.
Yeah, well, I'm just trying to remember the first time I I saw him. Do you remember what it would be from? Well, it, it, a lot of those early things that he did. Uh, I mean, he he always played that sort of, I guess, stereotypical kind of with the hairnet Mexican, uh, yeah, dude that thing. kind of thing. Yeah, you know, the the street wise guy, you know, the pseudo goofy gangster, the person selling tacos on the street corner, like in in movies, you know. But uh, since then, like he had his own show, and uh, he's done great stand up. Yeah, you know, he he he's stands f- he stands on his own for sure. <laughs> Why do you sound like you're from Jersey all of a sudden? Because, uh, you know, I wanted to bring in a little bit of the other, you know. You got the Latino and then the Latin influence, you know. Come on. All right, here's the trailer from the movie that Paul Rodriguez is in. It's called Voiceless. And it's visual, but listen to the audio. Let's give a warm welcome to our new community outreach leader, Jesse Dean. It says here that uh, you work at a church now. So an army ranger who's now running an outreach at a church in the city. I'm thinking of starting some boxing training. Boxing at a church. Step four. Jeff, step, step aside. You grab the wrist. Uh, uh, good job, good job. I'm referring to the clinic that's across the street. It's a family planning clinic, right? And they also have about five to 20 abortions a day. And what are we doing? I'll tell you what we're doing. Nothing. Is someone addressing the situation? I just told you I'm working on it. Will I see my baby in heaven? You don't have to do this. Church has changed, Jesse. We've become more like a lamp tucked under a basket rather than a light on top of a hill. You know what something like this can do to a church? <gasps> Protesting reporters. Now a death across the street. There's been death across the street for the past six months. Never question where God is leading you. Even if sometimes it's a bit uncomfortable. This is what God would want, Julia. Are you sure it's God leading you or just guilt? It's all penance, my friend. When you have a chance to save someone's life and they die, don't you always feel like you could have done more to help? Keep doing your boxing, Mr. Dean. At least you're swinging at something. This is what you were talking about, right? Take action. Isn't it our responsibility to protect these children, regardless of the consequences? This is about being a voice for the voiceless. 